Hello and welcome to SAE Tomorrow Today. I am your host, Grayson Brulte. Before this episode begins, please kindly take a moment to subscribe and be notified when a new episode is released. Keep up with the twists, turns, and acceleration in the mobility industry between episodes with SAE's incredible SAE Smart Brief. Click the link in the show notes to subscribe and receive the latest industry articles, updates, news, and announcements straight to your inbox. On today's episode, I sat down with Aaron Jefferson, Vice President of Product at Luminar, to discuss Luminar's effectiveness through introducing safe autonomy to the world, their partnership with Volvo, and how Aaron uses his voice to propel diversity and inclusion programs across the organization. And away we go. Enjoy this episode. Welcome to the podcast, Aaron. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Uh, super happy to have you here. You've got a great story. You're working for a great company that's changing the world. And before we get into all the really cool, fun stuff, you've had one heck of a journey. And early on in your career, you developed a relationship with a gentleman named Dwight Howard, not the basketball player, but a very influential <laughs> gentleman on your life. That relationship changed your life as Mr. Howard it was a mentor to you. And he said, go into automotive. It's a great field. And that conversation, Mr. Howard, change your life. Can you talk about what that's meant to you? Yeah, I mean, it's it's he's one of, of a few examples. You know, besides my family, I had a, a middle school teacher, Mrs. Banks. I had high school teachers, Mr. Gorbel, Mrs. Gardy. I've always had like these moments where uh, I was kind of um, just going along with the flow and someone said, hey, why don't you think about this or think about that? And uh, in those school examples, it was math. I was just really into math and really good. And, and they I'd say pushed me toward um, uh, engineering. And then I had um, gone to school, I had a few internships, and I ended up having an internship at Allison Transmission Truck and Bus. So this is a you know oily transmission plant, um, and I was an electrical engineer. Um, a really great summer, but my mentor at the time, um, assigned mentor was Dwight Howard, not the basketball <laughs> player. And he said, um, you know, so what do you want to do? And I just, you know, share some of my thoughts and I, I ended up getting uh, um, uh, some information on Delphi at the time, didn't know much about them. Uh, so I went to him and said, hey, you know, I have this opportunity um, for, you know, maybe a, oh, a job opportunity because I was in I was at the end of my internships. And he said, so think about where you want to be in 10 years. Do you want to be working on, you know, big trucks and buses or do you want to be doing some cool things on on cars? And and I loved cars, um, and it made sense in terms of all the different possibilities for an electrical engineer there. And so I uh, made the decision to go there. And then probably six months to a year after I went there, he followed. Uh, he had already had something in the works. Uh, he didn't tell me that at the time, <laughs> but he, too, was uh, getting into some more exciting things. So uh, really helped me out because Delphi was just a really good place to grow. And uh, it really gave me a great foundation for what I'm doing now, which is the ADAS and AD space. And you've, you've had a heck of a run there at Delphi. You rose through the ranks and leading ADAS product management and strategy process. What was that like? And what did Mr. Howard think? Like, okay, Aaron did it. He followed my advice and he's doing really great things. <laughs> well, I, it, was, it was interesting because, you know, I started off as an electrical. I was always around safety um, engineers. Um, and so started off in braking electronics and then uh, went to suspension and then went over to uh, occupant detection systems, which Delphi had a really unique uh, technology. We had 95, 90 percent of the market. Um, so it was a really it was a growth time for the organization. But back then, it was also a time when you would get in there and you would have just seasoned engineers that could spend time with you and train you and teach you. And 
and uh, you know development cycles were four and five years, uh, unlike today where it's two years max to get something you know from con concept out the door. And so um, I did that. I actually had the chance to take an assignment in Mexico, uh, came back and became a manager at a fairly young age, uh, managing the electrical uh, design group. And um, I had got my MBA as well. And it was like, hey, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? And we had a downturn, you know, the 2008 timeframe. There weren't a lot of moves. It was, hey, let's just make sure we get the product out the door. Let's try to keep uh, everything afloat. And as soon as we started to come out of that, around 2010, there was this huge, um, I'd say, um, corporate uh, uh, kind of mandate of, hey, we need to start developing a product strategy and product planning, and we need to incorporate that. So I was one of the, you know, the inaugural, the first kickoff of that activity within Delphi for ADAS. And so it was probably the largest growth space that that we had at the time, and uh, I was able to to work with teams and lead that. And I think, uh, I think Dwight was always proud. I think he was proud of the fact that he at least gave me, he never said, hey, you should do this. He just kind of gave me hints and asked me questions that made me think about things. And also um, just proud to see that, you know, somebody he supported was was being allowed to to grow in the organization in their career. So, And you've grown a lot. You you rose through leadership at Delphi and now at Luminar, you're building the future. You're, you're building really incredible LIDARs with different architectural designs from your competitors. What are the main benefits to Luminar's LIDARs? Well, the main benefits are that we solve a problem uh, that, that's required for level four highway autonomy to be safe and also just to be enabled. Um, um, there are, you know, first is our, our range and our resolution. We always talk about the requirements that matter. And it really goes into, you know, what's the performance that you really need to detect small objects far out in the road, dark objects at all times of day in all weather conditions? Um, such that if someone is not paying attention or their eyes are off the road um, the way that you want to, you know, release the driver from the driving function, um, that you can actually do something about that in time and not damage your vehicle, not cause another accident, things of that nature. It's, it's really a safety aspect to it. Um, and so, you know, that aspect, uh, the performance aspect, <clears throat> there's a ton of LiDAR on the market. Um, but none quite like ours in terms of delivering the functionality. And then we also have the perception on top of that um, from our software group. So, you know, being able to take the data and then understanding what to do with that data and how to, uh, you know, then allow the vehicle to function um, is very unique. The other part I think is, is somewhat unique. And when we talk to customers, it's more and more important is just the ability to manufacture, test, develop, uh, to have it be automotive grade, not necessarily just something that you demo um, and that is becoming more and more critical. They want trust that there's something that is going to be, uh, you know, at the right price, uh, productionizable at the end of the day, manufacturable, reliability and quality. And I think those two things really separate us from the rest of the pack. I would add to that, that you have a really great team of individuals that works at Luminar from the various different individuals I know inside of your company. They're great people. They're honest people and they're trustworthy people. And so you, I love that you hit on trust because I grew up in Connecticut and we had Volvo and all the moms and got the Volvos because it was safe to move the kids around and they had all the safety aspects. And Volvo built that trust. If you put your child in a Volvo, it's safe. And Luminar, when I saw that you had the deal with Volvo, I was like, okay, this is cool. You're building on a heritage of safety, a heritage of trust. Can you talk about that relationship, please? 
Yeah. So, you know, the, the great thing about Volvo and I, and I have history with them, even at Delphi, when we were introducing the, the camera technology, uh, what was called a CADS program back then, um, it's it's they have safety in mind. And our vision is, um, you know, making highway autonomy safe and ubiquitous. And the safety aspect of it is really critical. Um, what I think is really unique uh, in the opportunity what, that we have is we're working with Volvo to understand and solve the real world problems. So we're not necessarily just trying to meet a spec or, or just try to be trying to be um, academic in the analysis, but it's really what are the uh, situational uh, uh, things on the highway we need, we need to worry about and then how do we solve for those? Um, and we're working together on all aspects of the design, the integration. Uh, if you think about our placement in the crown of the vehicle, that was joint development, joint discussion activity between the two organizations to try to make sure that you know, where do we get the most benefit from the sensor? How do we, you know, if you think about your eyes and where they reside in the vehicle, is that vantage point of value and what kind of value does that bring um, to the point where, you know, to change a vehicle uh, overall uh, aesthetic and, and design concept takes a lot of work. Um, and so there was a lot of commitment from the Volvo side and then commitment from our side to really try to deliver that technology. So it's been it's been a really great relationship. We have to deliver. Um, it's not a friendship, so it's, it's not like they're going to let us <laughs> off the hook uh, if we don't deliver things. But, um, you know, our, our intent is to be successful. And then they are also, you know, vested in us to be successful for them. In order for them to really flourish, they want to see us deliver the technology um, to the quality and, and to the to the performance that we've that we've uh, started to develop towards. So pretty exciting. And, and, and like you mentioned, the right customer to uh, to really develop with. And I want to point out to the listeners that. It's downright sexy looking where that lidar is. It's not like you got a nuts and bolts and you put it on the side or you put it here. I mean, it's it's a beautiful, beautiful integration, beautiful design of vehicle, beautiful placement of the lidar. So I'm a I'm a consumer and I say, oh, okay, this SP2 module vehicle from Volvo, this is really good. I like the lidar. What's the benefit to me from a consumer perspective? Why would I want to go for that versus another Volvo that doesn't have a luminar lidar? So the benefit is, you know, as an end consumer, you really get uh, we, we try to focus on two things. You get a highway autonomy, which today's systems, a fair amount of the systems, you know, you can you can be on a highway, say, drive from Midwest out to California, whichever direction you want to go. Um, and on highways, you can usually take your feet off the feet off the um, you know pedals. Um, it can it can do ACC and really control the vehicle that way. But hands-off is not something that is very widely spread. And even then, um, if you're allowed hands-off, uh, the minute the vehicle can't detect lanes uh, due to you know clouding or sunlight or inclement weather, things of that nature, you usually get a ding and it just hands back control. And so essentially, if you have a, a drive you do every day, I drive the same route when, when we were going to the office, uh, <laughs> driving the same route every day, um, and it becomes a, a mundane, boring drive, half the time you don't even remember how you got there. It's just it's just in the back True. of your mind you're driving. Right. So it's it's more of, you know, let the vehicle do the driving function. Usually it's not it hasn't had a long day. It hasn't had to deal with kids. Um, it didn't skip its morning coffee. It's pretty consistent in terms of the performance of the vehicle. And it can and essentially you can just disconnect from the vehicle, let the vehicle drive. So that's the, the highway autonomy aspect of of what this vehicle would bring with that uh, design in the crown. And then the other aspect is just safety. Um, if you look at a lot of the systems today, and Volvo leads in this you know, area in terms of camera, radar, 
um, you know, a vehicle swerves in front of you suddenly or breaks in front of you suddenly, or there's a crossing pedestrian that, that pops out of nowhere. Um, today's systems are pretty good, but they're really designed to mitigate an accident or lessen the severity, not to eliminate and avoid. And so today's systems are also kind of tuned not to have false uh, activation. So you don't want to break for no reason. That's very dangerous. Um, and so it's really about the confidence level of the camera in, in combination with the fusion of the radar, which causes some limitations in terms of how reliable and how repetitive you can be in terms of that actuation versus once there's LIDAR is in the vehicle, not only do you get highway autonomy, but you also get the enhanced safety. You get the exact distance measurement from the vehicle in front of you or from the object in front of you. Um, you get longer range, you get performance at night, you get performance in inclement weather. Um, and so you just get more availability of a system that, that, uh, that you're paying for. And then you get better performance in terms of safety and in autonomy. So it, it really is a holistic solution um, that, that is also, again, just taking, I'd say, Volvo to the next step of safety. You're right about taking Volvo to the next step of safety because Henrik Green, the chief technology officer for Volvo Cars, said the following during the press release announcing your partnership. Autonomous drive has the potential to be one of the most life-saving technologies in history if introduced responsibly in safety. You're introducing the technology responsibly in safety. Volvo's introducing it responsibly in safety. Is that where Luminar's mission to make autonomous transportation safe and ubiquitous comes from? Is the, the culture of the company's dedication to safety and doing what's right? I think so. Um, I think what's bigger is, and I'll have to give Austin credit here, you know, when I, when I interviewed with Luminar, it wasn't about, you know, vehicles magically driving around by themselves on level five. It was, hey, we can really, one, save lives. We can really be effective at uh, introducing autonomy to the world. And it has to be safe. And, you know, if you think about systems in the, in the market today, there's a certain level of, of, of safety that lacks in those systems, whether it's um, you're in automated mode and then all of a sudden the system times out and immediately hands the control back over to the driver. Or uh, I'd say misunderstood, uh, um, say, marketing about what a capability, what a vehicle's capability really, really is versus what it what it can do um, and so or what it should be doing. And so. You know, I think from Austin's standpoint is, uh, you know, I don't want to just develop a technology that's nice and, and barely available or nice and, 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 and somewhat um, misleading. I want to put something out on, on the market that really is addressing the safety issues and the concerns. And again, it's it's you know, you have high highway speed, highway accidents. You still have thirty five thousand people in the U.S. yearly dying on the, on the roadways, a million globally. So it, and if you look at it, it's, it's, it's a huge cause of death. I think 18 to 34 year olds or something like that. Still, still, uh, um, you know, taking a lot of talent and, and human uh, capital away from us. Uh, um, so it, it really is trying to address that action. Um, and, and, and it's nice to be able to push a button and sit back and drive. It's, it's, it's a thousand times better to know that you can do that safely and that there won't, you won't cause more harm by doing that. And that's exactly where our focus is. You're right about the, the long stretches of highway from, from my house to Orlando. It's a three and a half, four hour drive, and it is just boring. It's the same flat <laughs> stuff. And if I could turn your system on on the highway and get me there, I go visit your headquarters or, or visit everybody's favorite friend, Mickey Mouse, and I get there and I'm not I'm not stressed out and bored. And, and speaking of long highways, you have a deal with um, Dyma trucks to, to uh, develop the LiDARs for for heavy 18 wheelers and those are long drives. That's impressive. Could you talk about that? 
Yeah, yeah. It's, and that one's really exciting because, you know, if you think about, again, safety and the, and the need, um, trucking is is um, is is a key space. I've always said as a personal driver, I trust truck drivers more than I trust regular drivers because they at least have to go through more to get their <laughs> certification. Right. <laughs> um, but they're on the road a long time. They get tired um, and trucks are difficult to drive I and mean, they're huge. And so, uh, you know, with Diamond Truck, it really is around them understanding, again, the safety aspect, but also the autonomy uh, uh, capability and what you can release there. Um, so the agreement really is around the development of the technology to enable autonomy. Uh, and it's kind of hub to hub. Um, there's a lot of activity going in, in, the, in the southern U.S. Um, nice, like you said, flat, boring roads, clear, uh, sunny all the time type of situations where uh, it'd be very easy to implement, uh, uh, I say, automated technology as long as you have the right sensing te- capability. And I think Diamond Truck saw that in our, in our uh, technology. Um, and what they're going to do is, is, is going to be pretty amazing. I think if you think about, again, you have people ordering uh, um, all the freight movement uh, globally, really. Um, trucks play a huge part in that. Um, but there's also fuel savings that comes along with it. There's uh, enhanced safety, so fewer accidents, lost cargo, uh, you know, more lives when, when, a, when, a, when a vehicle that heavy hits something, it's, it can be really tragic. And so, you know, our sensing technology is actually ideal for, for trucking. Uh, you get to see further, you get earlier detections than you do with radar and camera. Um, you can see in all kinds of weather, you know, trucks don't get to pick and choose when they drive. And so um, it's, 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 it's really is a nice partnership and, and it's nice to have the, uh, the other side of the market in trucking because it's gonna continue to grow We've always actually said that level four for trucking would come first because the business case is there in terms of being able to uh, either remove, eliminate the driver or allow the driver to be present longer. Um, and just the pure uh, play in terms of business and cargo and, and, and the expense with that. So um, right now we're, we're doing both in parallel and Diamond Trucks a great uh, a great partner to do that with. The business aspect of autonomous trucking to me is really interesting because it seems like I call it the great pivot to trucking where uh, companies that work on robo taxis now have decided that they're partnering with, with a big truck company to do it. And the other thing that I want to point out for a truck, they take a long time to stop because they're, they're so heavy. And if you slam the brakes on, it's not going to stop from here to a stop sign. And your LIDARs can see 250 meters away, providing second seven seconds of reaction time. That could mean life or death in certain situations. How is that possible? Absolutely. And, and that's that's 250 meters away with, um, I'd say, with a certain size target, a small target. <clears throat> if you talk about a larger target, like another vehicle or another truck, um, you're talking about even further. And, and, and really is made possible because of, of the architecture that we've chosen. And again, it goes back to the requirements that matter. The, the range and the resolution, not necessarily just being able to see that far, but understanding what you're seeing, putting enough points on target that you can actually detect what that image and what that object is, um, understanding how big it is, understanding if it's moving away or approaching, um, just all aspects of the environment. And then the full 120 degree field of view, where we really understand uh, what's the landscape of the road. So it's not necessarily just what's directly in front of you, but what's also in your adjacent lane. Um, uh, what's in your crossing path, things of that nature. Uh, it, it's really important for trucking. It's important for all aspects of, 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 uh, of vehicles and, and driving. But for trucking, it, 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 it's, um, it's just really clear that, again, as you mentioned, you can't just you know, react late and then stop and then save everything. Um, 
versus uh, versus the car. So for us, it really was, you know, again, what's what problem are we solving uh, for? You can you, there are cameras that can see really far. You have eight megapixel, 12 megapixel cameras that can see really far. But cameras can't can only estimate distance. They can't necessarily ex understand exactly how fast they're approaching an object. And radar can see somewhere, but they don't necessarily know what they're looking at. So all within this one sensor, I get a 3D environment, a 3D map of the environment. I know exactly what, what I'm, what's in front of me. I know if it's in my eagle lane or the adjacent lane. I know uh, how, how fast I'm approaching it, and I know what to do about it. And so uh, that's really, again, the architecture we've chosen is that we don't have to necessarily sacrifice the range for the resolution or the field of view. We, we have to do it all. It all matters in order to really enable that truck to, uh, to drive safely. Would an example of a small object in the highway, something, say, a piece of lumber fell off the back of a truck or a sandbag fell off, like there's objects that happens every day that you would never really think of that your liar say, wait a second, there's an object in the road, it's not right, let's do a safety maneuver. Is that what kind of you're referring to when you say a small object? Yeah, so the, the, main, the main object used is really a small tire. So a small black tire, it's dark very low reflectivity um, and, and being able to see that object as far as possible um, because you don't know if that tire has a rim or if it's an empty tire. Um, and, you know, with the rim, it's more dangerous. With an empty tire, there are plenty of people who have, who have hit an empty tire and, and been upset, but, you know, everything <laughs> was okay. But you don't want to hit either. Um, and now, you know, it's, it's the industry is looking beyond that. So I've been driving personally. I've seen uh, a shovel on the road that probably won't cause a huge accident, but you don't want that flipping and hitting your in your car. I've seen a ladder fall across the road, the entire road. Um, and, and, the, and the scenario is I'm, I'm traveling at a high rate of speed. I see this ladder. I, I'm on a, I'm in a, say a, a, a low vehicle. I can't just surmount the vehicle, uh, the ladder, but there's also a, a semi-trailer right behind me. So I can't hit the brakes and take my time around it, right? You don't, cardinal rule, you don't, you don't break on the highway. So it's being able to detect all those types of um, situations that are, are corner cases, but they happen. Um, and so it's, it's, you know, what's the height of the object that you, that you understand that something's there and try to decide if you want to drive over. How wide is it? Um, is it across your lane? Do you need to change lanes? Can you just move over a little in your lane and avoid it? If you think about your daily driving tasks, it's, it's the same for that, for that vehicle. We're trying to give that granularity of information so that the vehicle knows exactly what to do about it or not do about it. Is that where your expertise in software comes in? Because you're not just building the LIDARs, you're also building the software. Yeah, that's where the perception comes in. And there's one thing to, you know, have enough uh, LIDAR, what we call points on target, and have enough uh, angular resolution to detect something, but then to be able to understand exactly what that is. What's that data coming back? And that's no different than a perception for radar, uh, perception for camera. But the thing about the LIDAR is you get such rich data that you can actually understand, okay, this is, um, this is something I've seen before. You can annotate that, you can log that and understand exactly what it is. You can classify it. Um, but the nice thing about LiDAR is we don't have to necessarily classify before we react. So I can be, you know, I can be driving, my LiDAR can detect that there's an object in the row and it's of a certain size. I don't have to label that a person, an object, a car. I can just say, hey, that's something I don't wanna hit. And I know that without necessarily taking the time it takes to calculate and understand exactly what that or classify exactly what that is. But the perception is also about, you know, detecting lanes, understanding lane from road boundaries, from road edge, uh, being able to detect, uh, say, a person that stands in front of a vehicle. So you want to be able to isolate those two objects. Those are two different things that could go two separate directions at any time. 
So it's really about seeing environment and, and, and pulling out the information from the scene that, that the, the LiDAR is giving you and then saying, okay, what do I do about that? And so uh, really, really solid uh, a perception team led by Christoph Schroeder. And, um, uh, you know, we, 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 um, we, I say put as much stock into that uh, uh, software development as we do with the LiDAR. The LiDAR is the enabler, but our software is pretty unique as well. Let's look at a, a scenario. We talked about highway driving. Let's say you have an SAE level three plus system and there's an individual behind the wheel and the vehicles driving on the highway. And if there's a tire in the road, does that the HMI come in and says, okay, Mr. And Mrs. Driver, objects in the road must re-engage to drive around or how, how does that work? So ideally what you would really want to do is you want to detect that tire in enough time that you say, this is a tire on the road. Um, I don't want to drive over it. Um, and if it's, even if it's a level three plus system, um, you could say, uh, we are going to, uh, do a, do a lane change or a lane change over. If I can detect that there's nothing in my adjacent lane, I know that on my road, I have more than one lane. Um, I can do that. The other aspect of scenario is, um, there's something in my lane. I don't know if it's safe to maneuver around it. Um, driver, I want to give you, uh, enough warning so to where you can come back and, and basically take control of the vehicle. Um, I think the industry would admit that level three is one of the more dangerous uh, scenarios or, or you know, uh, uh, driving levels because how do you cognitively understand exactly what the state the driver's in? Should they come back? If they come back, will they cause more damage by taking over? And that's a full kind of system uh, approach of, you know, what does an OEM really want to release to the to the market. It's one of the reasons why the range and resolution and the other factors are so important, because if I can understand as a vehicle and know exactly what to do, then that I get to take the error of the driver completely out of the scenario. Um, and that's really what level four is about. It's not necessarily to hand over when things aren't okay. It's to try to make sure that I can handle all situations, even if I slow down and maneuver, you know, slowly. However, however the vehicle wants to handle it, um, but that handover is tricky, and that goes just beyond our light on our perception. That is a full system solution that I think the industry is still trying to figure out. If I'm being honest, no, you're 100% honest and you're 100% right because you don't know if somebody's groggy, if they're tired, or yeah. you mentioned this earlier, but I want to emphasize this: your lighters don't have emotions. They don't get upset about something. Right. They don't break up with their boyfriend or girlfriend <laughs> exactly. their, main, their job is to see the road and make, and make sure that Aaron gets home or to the office safely exactly consistently every time exactly is that why lidar is so key to achieving level four and level five well i think there's a couple of reasons one is you know you, you kind of want triple redundancy in terms of modality of sensing so when you start thinking about being able to detect an object and what's in front of you um, you have radar, you have uh, camera, uh, and I say pretty common systems today, and then you have LIDAR. LIDAR is the third sensing element that, um, at least from a modality standpoint, covers you in terms of if something fails with the other two, I should be able to, at least in a degraded mode, get to where I need to get to, or at least safely get off, uh, get off the road. Um, and so from a redundancy standpoint, that's what LIDAR really is the, is the third leg of that. But in terms of uh, really enabling, say, level four um, and understanding exactly what's going on in the environment, just the accuracy of the LIDAR, the detections, uh, being able to understand where you are on the road and, and map that out. Um, and, 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 and the nice thing about it is for me is, is with the high resolution and that we have the range so you can detect 
understand the distance, understand if it's in your lane. You can have a full understanding of the scene in one sensor. Today, you can have an understanding of a scene, but you won't have the exact distance measurement unless you then bring in radar. So you have to fuse that information. Um, and so they're dependent on one another. If one is missing, then you don't have the full uh, capability versus LIDAR. You can do all of that in one sensor. And so uh, it is also a sensor that takes your, um, your understanding of the environment to another level. And I think that's what's exciting about it. When I talk to our software engineers, um, especially the ones responsible for function, as we start talking about how do we enable and develop our own full stack solution, we have functional engineers that say, I've never had this level of data with which to enable an AEB function or a lanes keeping function or an ACC function. And so that level of data improves. It's like garbage in, garbage out. If you have great data in, then I can really do some really great uh, functional work. If I don't have such great data in, then I, it compromises my functional work. And I think that's what's really exciting and, and enabling about the LiDAR as well. Your LiDAR is game-changing, and I remember, was it two or three years ago that your team at CES took me in the truck, yeah. and you show, and Jason was there, and Austin was there, and you showed me the resolution, and I'm like, no, come on, this is this is not, I was just so com completely blown away by the quality of your product, and when I, we got to know each other prior to this podcast, I was extremely impressed and proud that not only do you do an incredible job leading product at Luminar, you take leadership on issues that are important to you. you. You take a stand and you do the right thing. And at Luminar, you lead the diversity and inclusion team. I was like, okay, I want to talk about this because it's something is that it's important that hasn't really been talked enough about in our space. Could you talk about why you decided to take that leadership mantle? Yeah, I think, you know, I've, it's ironic. I've always been included um, uh, in various um in various roles at, at various companies, I've always said I'm a like a closet HR person. I've always been included. <laughs> I've always been included in these personal uh, uh, type of issues. And you know, for me, being African American and and living through last year and all the different tragedies that happened last year, on top of COVID, um, it's just really important that uh, I think it's more than just I have this great job at this great company, and that you know I'm not sharing that and, and finding a way to, to pour that back into my community. And if I think about, you know, how I grew up and where I came from, I always had, there was always a program uh, in Indianapolis. It was a lead program with Eli Lilly. Um, there was always something that brought STEM into my life um, before I even knew what STEM was. And so, and again, I mentioned those teachers and, and you know, those schools that support it. So, um, you know, individually, there's a there's a, a organization called Heroes Alliance, and they basically bring STEM into Detroit uh, school systems. And so I'm, I'm active in that. Uh, Luminar is going to be a sponsor for that uh, organization. So I'm really excited about that. And that and that groups uh, then competes in a solar car race. So they have to build their whole solar car. Um, and, and again, it's just really giving kids access to uh, to things that don't naturally just come to them. Um, so it's that aspect. And then also just the, you know, social responsibility of being able to um, say, hey, we, we believe in diversity. We believe in inclusion. Uh, we, we don't believe in racism or racist thought. Um, that's really important. Um, if you, you know, America is, is America, but then even the automotive industry has been very traditional and old school. Um, it's changing some, but I think that uh, it's, it's just really important that 
if you have a voice and, and as an organization, we really, I'd say we have, uh, you know, Austin talks all the time, hey, we're, we're a great company now. We're, we're huge because we've, we've gone public. Um, and so we do have a lot of, of, of power and say, um, and to use that positively, I'm really excited about that. Um, we recently joined uh, the group Cadia, um, who's really about DEI activity in the automotive industry. And uh, there was someone from, um, from FCA uh, presented you know their plan and what they're doing internally and i remember when you know after george floyd gm made this huge announcement so you start to see these organizations say you know what um even if i'm not personally affected i know someone or my my workers are infected or it's more personal everybody was at home watching that um and so I, it felt a little bit different you know last year after that incident that everyone wanted to take a step back and say okay maybe i've ignored this maybe it's time for me to uh to be a little bit more active. And so I'm, I'm very proud that Luminar is supporting that. And um, and we have a, a, a fair amount of activity that we're rolling up, new new company. So we're, we're trying to get things going. Um, but I, you know, there's no pushback, there's no, don't do this, don't try that. It, it's 100% uh, commitment and, and support from the leadership team. And that's that's the first step. That That's a huge step and it's a positive step. And you can say that you know, you're young, but your career has come full circle. You had the Mr. Howard's a mentor to you, and now you're mentoring these ch- children to the Alliance in, in Detroit. And I've had a lot of mentors over the year, and, and I've mentored a lot of individuals now that I'm I'm older. I tell my wife I'm not ready for the home <laughs> yet, but I'm getting up there. Is What does it mean to you when you see the smile and the joy that you mentioned, like the solar car, and you teach these kids because you've got this incredible product background? You might be like, well, if you did this and this, then all suddenly – they get a little extra range. What is it like when you see that smile of joy when your mentorship was able to, for them to achieve something that they might not have been able to achieve? I think it's great. I think, you know, it, it, it's them achieve something they might not have been able to achieve for them to experience things that, that they may not have experienced. I think to get, you know, different perspectives. You know, when I was coming to, when I was going to college and there was no one to tell me, you know, what engineering was or what it means or what the possibilities were. Um, you know, so I, it's, it's, um, it's very, it's very meaningful, uh, more so just to know that, that, you know, the, the experience that they're getting and the understanding that they're being exposed to, uh, technology, um, uh, professionalism, um, just, you know, it's project management, it's engineering, it's, it's all aspects, it's critical thinking, things of that nature it becomes very important that they get a, that they get access to that. Um, um, it's, you know, there's, there's a lot of situations where you, you sometimes like an, if you're an artist and you're not given a canvas, you don't know how good or bad you are. Right. And so it's, it's that really without that access, they don't have that canvas with which to grow and work on. Um, and for me, it goes, you know, it, it's ironic. I've had, I, I talk about my closet HR activity. I've had a lot of kind of informal mentor opportunities and, and some of the companies I've worked in as well. And what I also try to emphasize is, you know, a lot of people that helped me throughout my career at Delphi, there was Mark Land, Mike Taney, there was some other people, they didn't necessarily look like me, but they noticed, you know, something in me and said, okay, let me give him this opportunity or let me put him in this position. And I've tried to do the same uh, with several people. I've had a ton of people that just informally, we, we built a relationship and, you know, they came to me for any kind of advice or, or you know, hey, this career move, that career move. And I think that's just as rewarding uh, in terms of being able to at least land my thoughts or be that person that we used to joke that I had a um, 
I had a uh, like a psychiatrist couch in my office because everybody would come by just to share and vent and get things off their chest. And I, I think I'm a good listener. So I would listen. Um, but I also think I've given some pretty sound advice and I've helped people along in their career the same way I was helped. And again, it's all about, you know, giving back in whatever situation. So I, I really have enjoyed that aspect of my career as well. Because when you give back, the opportunities are, are endless. And Aaron, as we look to wrap up this extremely insightful and interesting conversation, what would you like our listeners to take away with them about LIDAR and Luminar in general? I think that one of the main things I want our listeners to take away is that, um, yes, there are a lot of LIDAR companies out there. Um, however, uh, you know, don't be tricked or fooled by, uh, I'd say, some of the mis, um, uh, the missteps in terms of some certain uh, organizations and, you know, the, the performance don't 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 allow. Uh, some performance by one to overshadow the the lack of performance in another area. We talk about all the requirements that matter: range, field of view, resolution, um, um, precision. All these different aspects of the ladder matter. And so, um, and then you know, what's the what's the common sense problem that you're solving? It's it's you're trying to see small objects. You're trying to see as long as as far away as possible. You need to operate in all weather conditions and lighting conditions. And you know. I think what's really unique about Luminar and what, what really excited me was you mentioned the trust and the people and the leadership, the people that we bring on board all have the, the proper mission. And I think that is what excites me. There isn't, um, there's no hidden agenda. <laughs> we want to deliver the technology that really saves lives and it really enables autonomy. Um, we haven't played games with our architecture. We really are, uh, aren't making sacrifices just to say, hey, we have, uh, say, a solid state design or this or that that has to make compromise in order of performance. Our end goal is the performance. Uh, our end goal is the safety. And so if you just, uh, you know, we don't, we don't bash other companies. We don't really uh, go about doing it that way, but it's really just, you know, we just try to show and prove. This is what our spec says we can do, and this is what our product we can show you we can do. And, uh, you know, don't be frustrated. You know, the audience, don't be frustrated by uh, a lot of the, the misclaimers and, and what goes on in the industry in terms of LiDAR. This is a real product, real production, uh, and I'm really excited about what it's going to unlock for Volvo and our next set of customers to come. I can't wait to hear about your next set of customers when you make them public, so we, we hope you come back here. And as, as we've heard on this podcast, Luminar is honest, they're trustworthy, and they're developing the future, but, but most importantly, the individuals, including Aaron and the whole leadership team and every employee at Luminar, are good people. They're really good people that you can learn a lot from, and it's a great company. And Aaron, thank you so much for taking the time on your busy schedule to come on SAE Tomorrow Today podcast. Thank you for having me. Greatly appreciate it and appreciate it. Uh, love talking to you. Thanks, Chris. You too. Take care. Bye. Uh, bye. Thank you for listening to SAE Tomorrow Today. If you've enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more, please kindly rate, review, and let us know what topics you'd like for us to explore next. Tune in next week to hear from Wiley R. McCoy and Roger S. Miners to discuss the rich history of McLaren engines. And be sure to follow us on LinkedIn to stay connected and continue the conversation. SAE International makes no representations as to the accuracy of the information presented in this podcast. The information and opinions are for general information only. SAE International does not endorse, approve, recommend, or certify any information, product, process, service, or organization presented or mentioned in this podcast.